This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. Let's jump right in by reading a verse together, okay? Let's do this. Ready? Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking Oh, oh, I'm sorry, looking for someone to devour. Boy, I'm going back to my old, uh, what I learned when I was young, right? It's okay. In this verse, last day believers, that's us, are warned that Satan will come to them with a loud voice trying to bring fear. And you should never doubt that the devil does do everything in his power to make his voice heard in the world. So here's a question. If Satan is making his voice known in these last days, showing his power to the masses of lost souls, how much more important is it for God's people to know their father's voice? And by the way, he is speaking. I can't imagine the Lord of all creation remaining silent while Satan roars at the world. In fact, we know from Scripture, ever since Adam and Eve, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, God has made his voice known to his people, to Abraham, to Moses, to Caleb, Joshua, Samuel, David. And in the books of the prophets, in fact, we see the phrase, and God said, repeated time after time. And then in the New Testament, Jesus confirmed the same thing. Using the example of the good shepherd, he said, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. In fact, even to Pilate, when Jesus stood before him, he said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So the message is pretty clear. If you have God's spirit in you, then you will hear and know his voice. And yet, we live in a time when so many voices are clamoring for our attention. I find it interesting that over 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul warned us about this. He said, there are many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without meaning. Now, I imagine most of us have had the experience of praying and seeking to hear God's voice, to know God's voice, only to have our minds just flooded with all kinds of voices. Has it happened to you? If so, you may wonder, how can I possibly distinguish the voice of God from my own desires? How can I be sure it's God speaking and not the voice of of a tempting spirit. Well, I believe God has given me a few insights in this matter of hearing and knowing his voice. And so I'd like to take a few minutes today to share them with you, okay? Well, I'm, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thought we were done. All right, here's the first one. A person living in sin will seldom hear God's voice. And besides, 
if you're holding on to some secret sin, you probably don't want to hear God's voice anyway. You know why? Because you already know what God's voice is going to say to you, and you don't want to hear it. Hey, it happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned. It brought shame. And with that shame came guilt, came fear, came condemnation. And in the Old Testament, this shame was called nakedness. And being naked meant standing in God's presence, clothed with only one thing, guilt. You remember the story, don't you? The Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. See, Adam hid from God's voice because of the guilt and the shame of his sin. Sadly, that's exactly where many of God's people still stand today. They're hiding, afraid to hear God speak. Any of you have a Christian friend who is lukewarm? Not much interested in coming to church with you, but they're claiming to be Christian. I mean, although you may never say it, you know they aren't living righteously. The truth is, they're burdened down with guilt and with shame. But they aren't willing to change. They're not willing to give up their secret sin. Now, if you ever do convince someone like this to come to church with you, what's going to happen is God's word is going to pierce their conscience. And they're going to hear the voice of God calling, Where are you? What are you doing? And they're going to be convicted. Fear is going to grip their heart. The holy presence of Jesus will make their sins seem so wicked and so vile that they'll hardly be able to wait until the service is over so they can run out of the church to hide. My point is this. If you really do want to hear God's voice, you must prepare for a total cleansing. You must be willing to have every sin exposed and cast away. For you see, God's direction and guidance only comes after atoning. Therefore, if you want to hear the voice of God's direction, you must first be ready to have your own soul purged and cleansed. And you know why God's word comes? To pierce our conscience and to expose wickedness and expose sin. You know why? Because God wants to use us for his glory. But until we turn from our sin... He can't. But let's say you do confess your sin. You confess it. You repent, you're cleansed, and you're saying you want God's direction. You're ready to do what God asks. But are you ready to receive a mission that includes hardship and rejection? Are you ready to be assigned a life of faith with no guaranteed comfort, except what you get from the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking because if you want to know God's voice, you must be willing to accept anything he says, anything. That's why God will never say go until he first asks who is willing to go.
So he comes to us asking, are you willing to do anything I say? Anything I tell you? And are you willing to do it in the way that I tell you? Are you willing to lay down your very life, he asks? As you probably heard, I'm sure you have, Queen Elizabeth II passed away this week at the age of 96. After reigning for over 70 years, as Debbie and I listened to various people paying tribute to her on TV, made us think of just what it would mean to become the queen or the king of England. There's such tradition, such high expectation. To accept the throne requires giving up your own life to serve your country. It requires literally becoming the monarch or patriarch 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for the rest of your life. And that's what it means to follow Christ. I remember a time I prayed for God's direction. I'd been serving for nearly a decade as associate pastor of a large church, thousand-member church. When God began to show me that his plan for me was to be a senior pastor, I remember feeling humbled, uh, but also uh, experiencing a, a real excitement, a growing excitement, wondering what church God would call me to and where that church might be located. Debbie and I had prayed about it when we had decided we were prepared to go wherever God called. And we preferred that it be in the United States, but still we would go anywhere. And I began to reflect on my ministry to that point, the privilege of serving with an amazing staff at one of the more significant churches in our city, being mentored by a recognized pastor and a church leader. And I now felt confident in my ability to take an established church with a staff and multiple ministries and a strong financial base and lead it forward to the glory of God. All I needed was God's direction. Which church? In what location? Here I am, Lord. Send me. I was really spiritual. And as I sought the Lord for direction... His clear message to me was, I want you to start a brand new church in the Northland of Kansas City. Whoa! Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I had to remind him of some things. You know, God's old. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think he forgets stuff. So it's every now and then I get to thinking I have to remind him of some things. So I said, hey, listen. How do you like that attitude? Listen, you spent years preparing me to pastor an established church, and I am ready to do that. Oh, Lord, send me. And he responded to me, and he said, I have not spent years preparing you to do anything. I was surprised, too. <laughs> I have not prepared you over the years to do anything except trust me and obey me. So my plan now is for you to do just that. Start a new church. 
Well, I can assure you that was a most uncomfortable direction for me. Start a church. I knew nothing of small churches and had no interest in small churches. I, <laughs> I had absolutely no idea how to start one. And I'd be completely dependent upon God leading no, not just day by day, minute by minute. And that's what he wants. So, yeah, we want to hear the voice of God, but we don't want it to shake us. We don't want it to move us or stretch us. We want to hear God's voice. We want to hear it comfortably. And yet, why would God give us his voice of direction until he's confident that we will do what he says? Well, God knew my heart was sincere in seeking him, so he gave me his direction. He didn't tell me why. He was under no obligation to tell me why. But there was no doubt about the what. Reminds me a little bit of Abraham in the Old Testament. You remember his story, don't you? Abraham learned to hear God's voice by being willing to obey what he heard as soon as he heard it. Instant obedience. As you may recall, God's word to him was a hard one. He said, sacrifice your beloved son, Isaac. And Abraham acted on that word immediately. And his obedience became a sweet-smelling aroma that has since touched the entire world. God told him, because you have obeyed me, all the nations on the earth will be blessed by your offspring. Let me give you another example from the Bible. After Moses met with God and on Mount Sinai, came down with the stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments, the leaders of Israel came to Moses and they said, it's right out of the Bible, we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. You go near and listen to all that God says then we will listen and obey whatever the Lord God tells you to tell us. But you see, these leaders weren't actually afraid of hearing God's voice. Because I know that because in the previous verse they said, We have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a man can live even if God speaks with him. So they weren't afraid of that. No, they weren't afraid of hearing his voice. They were afraid of what his voice was going to tell them. They were afraid because they were clinging to the gold that they'd carried with them from Egypt. They were clinging to the idols that they didn't want to give up. You see, God had already commanded them. He'd said, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. And now God was saying, lay down your idols because I want all of your heart. The writer of Hebrews says that Israel begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Hebrews 12, 19 and 20. And that's the key. The Israelites could not endure what God had commanded them because, well, because they couldn't bear the thought of giving up their hidden idols and their secret sins. They thought, hey, uh, Moses is pretty meek. Let's let Moses talk to God, and then we'll let him talk to us. After all, he's led us all these years. 
He didn't have a clue that we had hidden idols. He won't be nearly as hard on us as God would be. And they were right. For you see, God's not an entertainer who plays games with idolatrous Christians. God seeks intimacy with us. God wants to speak to the smallest detail of our lives. And when he speaks, he has one purpose in mind. And that's to possess our whole heart. He wants to destroy all idols. He wants to get rid of all sin. Why? So he can bless us. So he can favor us. So he can reward us. The Lord said of Israel, he said, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep my commands always. Why? so that it might go well with them and their children forever. So number one, you will never hear God's voice if you're living with sin. And number two, a person depending on another person's voice will seldom hear God's voice. Ask yourself if this could be why you're not able to hear his voice. Perhaps you have an idol. Maybe a certain minister, a teacher, uh, an evangelist, a pastor who speaks to you about good things like blessings and grace and feeling good about yourself. But he doesn't dig into your heart about sin. And you like him or her because you aren't interested in being searched. (laughs) You only want to be blessed. So you download their messages and you listen for hours just devouring their teaching. But I want to caution you. The reason many of us have trouble hearing the voice of God is because we've been indoctrinated by human voices. Are you aware that the Bible warns that the worst idolatry of these last days is an addiction to false doctrine? An addiction to false teachers who do not speak for God. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking against these men and women, but I am speaking against heresy and error against the false doctrines some of them bring that ruin people's souls. The tragedy is that those who are attracted to such doctrines, they easily and usually end up being half-hearted and confused and shipwrecked. They miss the true blessing and the true favor of God, and the main reason people are susceptible to being blown here and there by every wind of teaching is because they're not grounded in the whole Word of God. Listen, church, we must learn to hear God's voice for ourselves. It's time for every believer to go directly to the Lord and hear His voice without a person in the middle. Oh, sure, if you do this, God's Spirit will be digging and searching and convicting and dealing with you. But until he has your whole heart, you'll never know his voice. The promise of Jeremiah 29, 13 is, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. Okay, with that established, I'd like to spend the remainder of our time today addressing you, repentant believers who truly do 
want to hear. You truly do want to know God's voice. If you're taking notes, please write this down. God's desire is for his holy people to enjoy a daily, consistent, conversational hearing of his voice. God's desire is for his people, his holy people, to enjoy a daily, consistent, conversational hearing of his voice. God desires to speak to us as if we were sitting down to dinner with him. He's not pleased when we come to him only when we can't figure it out on our own. Back when I was making that thing, oh God, what do you want me to do? No, he, he didn't want me to come just when I didn't know what to do as far as ministry. He wanted me to be talking to me all the time. He wants to converse with us heart to heart on any and all matters all the time. And we read in Revelation 3.20, he said, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Now, this verse has often been used to refer to Jesus standing at the door of the sinner's heart, seeking entrance. I've used it that way myself. However, in its accurate context, Christ is speaking to those who are clothed in righteousness. He's speaking to believers who want to know the voice of God. As I read and reread this verse, three words kept leaping out at me. Open the door. Open the door. Now, we know theologically that Jesus abides in our heart, and yet most of us like to keep a little place in our heart that we never open to the Lord. We let him in to the living room, but we put everything in the bedroom. And then when he comes in the bedroom, we put everything in the closet. And he comes in the closet, we put everything in the little box. You see, this is the seat of our soul the very core of our being. It makes us the person we are, and out of it spring all of our emotions. Well, that's the place. That's the room Jesus comes to knocking and calling. He's saying, hey. Don't you imagine that sound like God? Hey. Hey. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, there's a closed door between you and me. There's something blocking me from coming in. Will you please open the door? Now, this door, as I see it, represents a commitment. It's a commitment that many Christians have not yet fully made. Most believers pray, Lord, all I need is a little advice. I just need a few words of direction. Just give me a reminder that you love me. Just let me know whether or not I'm doing right or wrong. Please, Lord, go ahead of me and open the door. Open all the doors. And Jesus answered, if all you want from me is direction, I can send a prophet to give that to you. If you only want to know where to go and what to do, I can send someone and you can filter it all through him. But when you do that, Jesus said, you're missing me. Listen, Jesus wants more. He wants your closeness. He wants your deepest emotion. He wants your locked up room, your locked up box. 
He wants to sit down with you face to face. Oh, think of that. Face to face. And he wants to share all that's in his heart. He'd like to have somebody to talk to as well. Do you understand? He wants to be intimate with you. He's calling you to join him in a dinner for two. Him and you. Revelation 3 is a wonderful picture of this. It speaks of love and intimacy, of sharing secrets, of tender voices. Christ is saying here, I want to share my heart with you. I want you to know my ways so that the very thoughts you think are my thoughts. I want my voice to emerge more and more in your heart until your mind is the very mind of Christ. He stands at the door knocking and asking for a commitment, desiring a step of faith that says you will open up your heart and your soul and your mind to him. Now, this can't happen through emotions or feelings. No, it has to happen through a commitment of faith that says, Jesus, I commit to you. Not to answers. Not to directions. No, I open the door of my all to you. And when Jesus comes in, he brings bread, food. In other words, he brings himself. And when you feed on him, you'll be satisfied completely. Amen? There's a beautiful picture found in the Song of Solomon of Christ wanting to get in the door. The bride in the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my love, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. Okay, the bridegroom in this scene represents Jesus. He's knocking on his bride's door, saying, open to me, my love. My head is filled with dew, meaning I have suffered for our love. And the bride hears him knock, but she is in bed. She loves the bridegroom, but she's too tired to get up and open the door to him. And then something happens. She says, my lover thrust his hand through the latch opening, and my heart began to pound for him. You see, in in, uh, ancient Oriental times, doors were built with an opening in them. And here, the bridegroom wants to be with his bride so badly that he puts his hand in the opening, tries to undo the lock from the inside. But for some reason, he's hindered. Can't get in. So he looks through the opening at his bride, and he sees her sleepy-eyed, half awake. He wonders, does she truly love me? Why isn't she excited to open the door to me? I'm so anxious to be with her. And yet she seems somehow unconcerned about being with me. Now, I believe this is what the Lord is wanting from his church. He wants us to be waiting at the door, full of love, not slighting him, 
not acting like he's not the main affection of our hearts. Can you picture it? Waiting at the door. Now, now everyone knows, everyone knows, you all know, that people who are in love want to be together. If you don't want to be together with somebody, you probably don't love them. Oh, I love them. I just love them from a distance. Well, you don't love them. You want to be together. That's what you want to do. And the picture from the fifth chapter of Song of Solomon shows how Christ feels about us. He wants intimacy with us, and he wants it so badly that he literally reaches inside and tries to unlock the door. How many times has Jesus wanted intimacy with us, but we've shut him out? Anyway, at this point, the bride rouses herself, and she smells her lover's fragrance, the myrrh, on the lock of the door. And look what it says. I arose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. And finally, she says, I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The bridegroom was gone. Oh, he still loves her. But his actions say, she has no intense love for me. She's merely taken me for granted. So I'm just going to withdraw until she learns to appreciate who I am. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord has to withdraw from us for the very same reason. And what he's saying to us when he does this is, hey, I want you to come to me with all your heart. I want you to love me and yearn for me with everything that's in you. Well, suddenly the bride realizes what she's done, that she has slighted her bridegroom. So what does she do? She runs to the street crying, Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, tell him I am faint with love. And she tells everyone, He is altogether lovely. See, now this is the picture of a church who has finally awakened to her need for Christ. But is it too late? For you see, the ones who truly hunger for the bridegroom, they're already standing at the door when Jesus knocks. They have their hand on the door ready to open it up and welcome intimacy with him. And that, church, is what we must do. Just like the bride in this passage, we must wake up to who Jesus is to us. We have to say, he's my love. He's my life. There's no way I can live without him. So, is that how it is for you? Have you opened yourself to a loving intimacy with Jesus? 
This morning we were, the band was rehearsing to sing the songs that we were going to lead you in this morning. And as we were playing and singing the first song, Greg was singing the song and he stopped singing. I thought, Greg, come on, man. What are you doing? Are you over there messing around with your guitar, messing with your pedal or something? Keep your mouth in the microphone and sing. It's just rehearsal. But no, you know what was happening? The song he was singing was going through him. And it wasn't just words. It wasn't just lyrics and melody. Oh, no, it was deeper. And it overwhelmed him. Oh, friends, that's the way it's supposed to be. It doesn't matter if you forget the words. It doesn't mean your heart. The Lord had his heart. If you haven't had that intimacy, which I, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will convict you of being lukewarm about the Lord and that you will open up your soul and your spirit to Christ and that he will enter. You can trust him, you know. No, you can't. So let him be your source. Let him be your everything. You can believe him when he says he will come in and dine with you. And when you're in his presence, shut in with him alone, you will get to know him. Oh, you'll know his fragrance, his ways, his heart. You'll learn to know the voice of the amazing and wonderful one who loves you enough to keep knocking and begging for your intimacy. Yeah, you can actually know his voice and you can actually experience the wonderful relationship he wants to share with you. It's not complicated. You simply stop sinning and get rid of your idols. And then stop depending on someone else to hear God for you. And then fully open up your heart and get close to him. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Let's sing it as a prayer to him. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Lord, we've heard you this morning. Please forgive us for taking you for granted. We renew our pledge of love for you. You are altogether lovely, and we love you. So please come in and dine with us. Come, Lord, come rain, 
Fill this place with the glory of your holy name. Move our hearts closer to you. Come, Lord, come do what you want to do. Sing it to me. Come, Lord, come do what you want to do. Everyone say, come in, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.